researchers are incorporating smart technology into more aspects of the scientific process. These updates promise to digitize and automate laborious, repetitive tasks, while simultaneously transforming the laboratory to a more accessible and connected environment. In the field of neurobiology, computational and developmental biologists join forces to expand the capabilities of conventional cell culture tools past their manual limitations. A team of researchers called the Brain Engineers develops cerebral organoids with automated and artificial intelligence approaches, discovering the mechanisms behind human neural circuits and uncovering what makes the human brain special. Welcome to The Scientist Speaks, a podcast produced by the Scientist's Creative Services team. Our podcast is by scientists and for scientists. We bring you the stories behind newsworthy molecular biology research. This episode is brought to you by Benchling, a pioneer of the R&D cloud, software that unlocks the power of biotechnology. More than 200,000 scientists at over 1,200 companies and 7,500 academic and research institutions globally have adopted the Benchling R&D cloud to make breakthrough discoveries and bring the next generation of medicines, food, and materials to market faster. The Benchling R&D cloud helps these organizations modernize their scientific processes and accelerate collaboration so they can convert the complexity of biology into world-changing results. In this month's episode of The Scientist Speaks, Deanna McNeil from the Scientist Creative Services team spoke with Sophie Salama and David Hausler, professors at the University of California, Santa Cruz, to learn more about the brain engineers and the smart technology behind growing brain organoids. Among our many multicellular counterparts across the animal kingdom, humans evolved uniquely complex brains. These one-of-a-kind biological processors provide remarkable boons, such as enhanced cognition and sociality, and human-specific veins, such as neurodevelopmental and cognitive disorders. Because human brains are bigger and more complex than those of other animals, scientists still seek the secrets of human intelligence. At the University of California, Santa Cruz, an interdisciplinary group of researchers calling themselves the Brain Engineers develops new tools and smart devices to uncover these secrets studying the behavior of human neural circuits through biological and technological perspectives. Sophie Salama and David Hausler have been investigating the brain together since the early 2000s. However, before their professional partnership began, they each got their scientific starts outside of neurobiology research. My name is Sophie Salama. I'm a professor of molecular cell and developmental biology at UC Santa Cruz. I'm also faculty director of diversity at the UC Santa Cruz Genomics Institute and affiliate faculty. Always had an interest and kind of aptitude in science. I'm actually an immigrant. I was born in Cairo, Egypt, but moved to the United States when I was really young and grew up in rural Illinois. Went to the University of Illinois for my undergraduate and was a chemistry major and had a transformational experience the summer after my freshman year. I had taken this honors chemistry class and that professor had this program where he would give 10 of the more promising students in that class the opportunity to stay on campus for the summer and work in a research lab. That was a really great experience to learn how to do experiments and for me, the idea that it was a career to 
in essence, play in a lab just really got me hooked. Towards the end of my postdoc, I got involved in developing this biotech company. And then my partner, who is also a scientist, got recruited to UC Santa Cruz. I came out here and actually wasn't really certain what I was going to do. Thought I was going to stay in biotech because I've had such a positive experience. Was lucky to get a position as a visiting scientist in a lab here at UC Santa Cruz. And then got this opportunity to work with David, helping to set up a molecular biology lab to follow up on some of the comparative genomic research that his uh, group was doing. That turned out to be a very fruitful and fun collaboration, and we've been working together ever since. I'm David Hausler. I'm a professor here at the University of California, Santa Cruz, scientific director of the Genomics Institute. My degree was originally in computer science, but I also had summer experience in science. Actually, my older brother was chair of biochemistry at the University of Arizona. And so I worked with him in the summers. I came to Santa Cruz as a professor and went on with colleagues to start a new subfield of machine learning called computational learning theory. That's still going on. It was a very exciting part of my career, but I was beckoned back into the life sciences here at Santa Cruz, playing a key role in the Human Genome Project. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, scientists working on the Human Genome Project solved the first comprehensive sequence of human DNA. Hausler's research team at UC Santa Cruz played a major part in the Human Genome Project, completing the computational work to assemble and share the sequence of the first human genome draft. These findings provided essential information about the human blueprint, accelerating fundamental and translational human biology research. Hausler and Salama's investigation into the brain also sprouted from this genomic revolution. Convergent and divergent genetics are at the root of every evolutionary tree, providing researchers with information about when and how different branches of organisms split from one another. Salama and Hausler and their joint research team harnessed the power of comparative genomics to study how the human brain evolved. When I joined forces with David, that was about the time that the human, rat, and mouse genomes had been published. There was a large effort in the computational work in David's group to see what is the same in those genomes and what is different in those genomes. One of the interesting things that the postdocs were discovering was that if you look at the genes that were so-called ultra-conserved elements and also these regions that have changed the human lineage, they tended to be important in neural development. That was exciting because if you're interested in the genetics and the genomics of what makes us human, what is the feature that's most outstanding? I think it's how do we get our big and complex and highly connected and, and capable brain. That's in both our minds the most fascinating question. As the researchers began to computationally uncover the genetic uniqueness of human neural development, they faced a biological challenge. They needed a living system to validate and further investigate the function of the genes they found in their datasets. The solution came in the form of new cell culture technology. 
developmental and cell biologists were experiencing a revolution of their own in parallel with the genomic revolution. As stem cell biology progressed towards programmable pluripotent stem cell differentiation and 3D cell culture systems, such as organoids. Cerebral organoids, sometimes referred to as mini-brains, are organ-like structures that scientists create by differentiating pluripotent stem cells in a culture dish. Hausler Salama and their UC Santa Cruz colleague Mircea Teodorescu lead a multi-institutional team of scientists who use molecular, engineering, and computational approaches to create better models of brain development, including human, mouse, and chimpanzee mini-brains. By genetically comparing these organoids, the researchers unearth what makes the human brain unique at the cellular level. It's an intensive process to compare human neurodevelopmental trajectories to those of other animals. There are also many, many experiments to do where you use cells that have certain genes incapacitated or other genes enhanced so that we can fine-tune the genetic makeup of the organoid. We can change chimpanzee genomes to have a few genes in the human form or vice versa and see whether that makes a difference. Does the developmental trajectory of the neural tissue look more chimpanzee-like or more human-like, then you can start to understand which genes may be supplying any secret sauce that creates a different kind of neural circuitry in the humans. Whether that exists is quite open, but we won't be able to determine it until we can measure it. And we can't measure neural circuitry and its behavior in detail in living humans. It's too invasive a procedure. The cerebral organoids become essential in that investigation. In their early studies using human organoids, Salama and Hausler discovered a family of human-specific genes involved in some of the first steps of neural development. They found that changing the expression level of these genes, called NOTCH2NL, altered the number and types of stem cells in their organoids. Overexpression of NOTCH2NL delayed stem cell differentiation, and NOTCH2NL deletion accelerated stem cell differentiation into mature brain cells called cortical neurons. Evolutionarily, modern forms of NOTCH2NL genes emerged after humans branched away from chimpanzees. Their research provided evidence that NOTCH2NL genes may have contributed to the increase in size and complexity of the human brain. However, their studies also highlighted a new technical challenge for research involving cerebral organoids. In that initial study, we really focused on this first phenotype, altering the size of the stem cell pool. If we look at a snapshot in time to the NOTCH2NL mutant organoids, we see more neurons, less stem cells. But what is the consequence of that? To study that, we need to get to the point where we can measure and manipulate the activity of the neural networks that arise from these neurons that are generated in these organoid tissues. And that really depends on being able to generate organoids that we keep in culture for extended periods of time. This is a huge challenge. Scientists typically rely on labor-intensive manual culture methods to create mini-brains starting the process with a set number of stem cells in multi-well cell culture dishes. The researchers expose the cells to different growth conditions and media supplements over time, and the stem cells follow a biologically hardwired program 
to differentiate into specific cell types. As the cells replicate and differentiate, they cluster together and eventually form small, tissue-like balls of cells. Until recently, this manual approach was a limitation to Salama and Hausler's efforts to grow organoids for extended periods of time. However, what was once a predicament for studying the human brain is now an opportunity for technological breakthrough. Manually, the researchers are doing media changes every couple of days on these organoids to ensure that they stay healthy. It's very difficult to do it in a very reproducible way. They're also very metabolically active tissues. So in order to give them enough nutrients to last for 48 hours in the incubator, we're actually giving them quite non-physiological levels of things like glucose. If you're keeping an organoid in culture for months at a time, maintaining the developmental trajectory and consistency of that culture is extremely challenging. To do that, we need automation, we need feedback, we need technologies to be able to both monitor the growth and development and health of the organoid and the emerging neuronal activity of these organoids. And so that is really what inspired us to form the brain engineers. The Brain Engineers are a team of engineers, biologists, and computer scientists brought together by Salama, Hauslar, and their colleague Mircea Teodorescu to develop modern devices and smart technologies for studying the behavior of human neural circuits. Instead of manually feeding organoids every few days, the Brain Engineers employ robotic tools such as microfluidic pumps, which change the media during long-term organoid culture without having to remove the organoids from the incubator. In doing so, the organoids are fed more frequently and are kept in an environment which is more similar to the conditions within the human body. The brain engineers aim to achieve more physiologically relevant homeostatic conditions with these precisely controlled media changes, rather than total media changes every 48 hours, which subject the organoids to drastic metabolite fluctuations that do not naturally occur during normal neural development. This approach, paired with smart technologies that monitor the needs of the culture and control the microfluidics, also allows the researchers to more precisely mimic the changes that do take place in a biological system. Tissue developing normally within an animal is always at homeostasis, and the set point of homeostasis changes during development. So we need a moving trajectory of different homeostatic goals that is maintained during the arc of development if we want to recapitulate physiological conditions. As Sophie said, we are not getting that currently with the manual methods. We can't have a person literally sitting there all the time administering various conditions that will keep the culture in homeostasis. We need to have some kind of automated process that's babysitting this growing organoid. That means that we need to be able to monitor it, assessing things like pH, temperature, and so forth on a continuous basis. And on top of that, we need to have an automated program that will react to those measurements. 
the measurements provide feedback. Think about a baby monitor that guides the actions of the babysitting program. For the so-called babysitter to respond rapidly to any problems in the organoid culture, HouseLearn Salama's team need tight feedback loops between the microfluidic devices that feed the system and sensors that monitor the system. That means programming software for quick communication and tunable control. HouseLearn Salama uses a smart communications network called the Internet of Things, commonly known as IoT, which is a concept applied across different types of automated systems, not just science research applications. If you have an automated system where you can speak and one of the lights goes on in your living room, that process goes through the Internet of Things. Messages are sent around to create that action, which is turning on the light. We use that same basis for turning on and turning off things like microfluidic pumps in order to respond to a condition that is sensed in the organoid culture vessel. For example, very simple condition that the media is gone too low. Then add some media. The issue at this point is how can we put together a complex feedback system in which the growing organoid is kept at the correct homeostatic condition for each stage along the arc of development at all times. That may be a very complicated programming task. It's a lot of code to write the traditional way. If you see this condition, then take that action and so forth. It will be probably uh, much more effective if that code is a machine-learned code. In other words, the program learns how to grow the tissue in an optimal way. Machine learning is a method that falls under the umbrella of artificial intelligence, or AI. This method solves problems by helping machines learn algorithms automatically, without being explicitly instructed via human programming. Hausler and Salama employ machine learning to improve their programs that maintain organoid culture homeostasis. By making their smart technologies smarter with AI, the researchers are already beginning to improve their automated processes. For instance, they can use machine learning to analyze an image of a culture dish and determine whether the fluid level is sufficient or in need of a top-up. Although many wet lab researchers may feel reluctant to embrace IoT and machine learning-based approaches, Hausler and Salama are hopeful that the work that they are doing with the brain engineers will push the field in new directions. The future of smart technologies and biological research is bright, not only for learning about the brain, but also for designing new AI technologies that shape multiple facets of daily life. The technology that we're using to enable feedback control gives us a lot more information about what's happening in our organoids so we can get a more comprehensive view of their cell state, their activity, and then that is going to I hope, enable us to get back to the biology and really start to ask genotype, phenotype questions in terms of the, the neuronal cell types that we're generating and being able to have them make connections with other neurons within the organoids and, and actually even between different organoids that we can generate 
we can start to understand the functions of these neurons and how neurons communicate with each other. We hope that that will give us insight into how to design and understand the sort of artificial neuronal networks that form the basis of many of these AI algorithms. The possibility that our biological systems might contribute to that understanding and function is super exciting to me. The irony is not lost on us, um, AI helping us learn about our own brains. But I think it's a very important use for AI and it's absolutely essential that we understand how AI differs from our own brains at this point because AI is becoming so powerful. It is vital that we come to understand it and ourselves. Thank you for listening to The Scientist Speaks. This episode was produced by the Creative Services team for The Scientist and narrated by Deanna McNeil. Thanks again to Benchling for sponsoring this episode. Please join us again in November as we learn how researchers apply the principles of synthetic biology to address human health challenges. To keep up to date with this podcast, follow The Scientist on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.